talk about Shabbos, uh, see if we, what we can do with the, the actual day of Shabbos itself. There's a fascinating thought which is found in the Chesidah Shesorim that Shabbos is connected to the power of tshuva. The word Shabbos and tshuva, the language of doing tshuva is that a person should be should be shav. Shabbos, the, the letters of Hashabbos and letters of tshuva are the same, etc. So Shabbos is connected to the power of tshuva. And we're going, we're going to have an early Rosh Hashanah Drasha from me. Um, we're talking about, talking about the, the concept of tshuva a little bit and how that connects to Shabbos. But to do that, I want to talk about tshuva a little bit also. So don't worry, I know that it's almost Tishabav, it's not Rosh Hashanah yet. I'm aware of where we're holding in the calendar, but I want to talk about that. So there's a fascinating uh, thought. If I ask most of you, why on a Mauritian, why Adam was kicked, had to leave Ganeid? Why did he have to leave Ganeid? What did he do wrong? He ate from the tree that he's not supposed to eat from, right? Right? So that's, what, that's the standard answer that most people give, that Adam had to leave Ganeidin because he ate from the Das. Right? But if you look at the Psukim, the Psukim seem to have a little bit of a different, different twist to it. And I, this hit me about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And one of those things that hit you like, like, where have I been all my years? When I didn't notice this till finally, uh, one, I'm re- looking at the Chumash. After the whole story, that Adam eats from Eitzadas, and then Hashem speaks to him, goes through the whole story, and Hashem makes clothing for Adam and his, and his wife. And Hashem already told him, you're going to die. The whole thing is there. And God says, Man is unique, like a, a God in the sense that he knows which does not belong to, to any, any of the, the, the angels don't have that, animals don't have that, only man has this. And now, lest he send his hand, he will take from the tree of life and he will eat and he will live forever therefore Hashem sends him out of Gan Eden so Adam was not asked to leave Gan Eden because he had sinned Adam was not asked to leave Gan Eden because he's going to die he was asked to leave Gan Eden because he might eat from the Eitzachayim so it's an interesting thought. We always usually think that you, you can't stay in Ganadin as a sinner. You could stay in Ganadin as a sinner. You can't stay in Ganadin because it's for people who live forever and he's supposed to die. You can stay in Ganadin even when you're supposed to die. But you can't stay in Ganadin because you might eat from the Eitzachayim. That's what the Pasuk says. Okay, now, the Medrash takes it even more fascinating. And the Medrash says over here that a Kodesh comes to Odom. And the Medrash makes a conversation between, a second conversation, which we already had before, a second conversation between the Creator and man. So Hashem comes to Adam and he says, Now, what is this word, Vatah? The word Vatah means and now. Atah with an ayin. If I be good, sorry, I pronounce it. right? Okay? So, and now. So, what does this word and now mean? So the Medrash says, the word Vatah means Tshuva. Where do you see Vatah means Tshuva? Because later on in the Torah, the Torah says Vatah Yisrael and now Yisrael. I'm, the, the Torah starts with this, this thought with the words Vatah. And now Yisrael, what does Hashem want from you? He only wants you to fear Hashem. 
So since it says the word over here, and over there it says the word, means tshuva. We need to explain that. I'm going to try and explain that. But Hashem says, the, Adam, the Semitic says, Hashem offered Adam tshuva. He offered Adam to do tshuva. Says Vato Yisrael, Vato, and now the matter says he came to Adam. He said, "Do tshuva." The next word in the pasuk is pen. So the matter says that Adam said the word pen can mean no. The more says the word pen sometimes means no. Adam said no. It's okay. Now you got to leave. Okay, you can sin and stay in Gan You can die and stay in Gan I offer you tshuva. But you said no. Now you have to leave. Now, and that sounds very strange to us. You, you, you can imagine the chutzpah involved that Hashem comes to Adam and says, do tshuva. And he says, no, no. So it, it, I, 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 I'm not comfortable learning this at a simple level. He's just refusing Hashem's request. I think there's more to the story. There's a similar conversation, Medrash, or another Medrash, which seems to bring out the same idea earlier in the, in the, in the story of Adam. Okay? Hashem comes to Adam and says, Did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat? So Adam blames his wife, blames Hashem, he says, The woman you gave to me, Nostali, she gave to me, um, and, where was the Pasuk? Did you eat? So, no, still not, not getting the right passive. Um, did you? She is a shazada. So the marriage has a problem. The word, in our, our knowledge of Hebrew dictuk, and I ate is past tense. The word for that should be v'ochalti, and I ate. V'ochalti, I ate. The poet says v'ochel. V'ochel means I eat. So the matter says that Adam told God, "Ochalti, I ate. V'ochel, I will do it again. So here you have this chutzpah again. Hashem comes and says, listen, did you blow it? Did you, did, did you really mess it up? I, I told you this tree, don't touch the tree, don't eat from the tree. Did you eat from it? He says, yeah, and you know what? I'm going to do it again. Like, again, it's, it sounds extremely uncomfortable to us to understand Adam Arishan as being this individual who's going to refuse God and talk to God like that. Furthermore, we have a Rashi, which Rashi quotes later on in the parasha, later on with the story of Lamech, that Lamech and his wives were having this disagreement. They go to Adam, and Adam... Uh, the, the Rashi brings the Chazal that Adam spent 130 years in a state of repentance. He was fasting, he was wearing sackcloth for 130 years. So he clearly was doing tshuva. And here the betters is saying, do tshuva. He says, I'm not interested. Lo, I'm not pen, which means not. I'm not going to do tshuva. So what do you mean you're not going to do tshuva? We see that he did tshuva. For 130 years he did tshuva. Okay, next question is, was that tshuva good? Because uh, Lamech comes to uh, the, the Adam, and they, they, one of the explanations of the story is, they said, listen, we're going, the, the, he was from the Kayan, Kayan is cursed, they're going to die out. He said, it's not your business, you've got to do what you've got to do, and it's not your business to think of the secrets of Hashem. So, and that, Lamech responds back to Adam, you've got to correct yourself also. You're doing the same thing. 
Adam had separated from his wife for 130 years. He hadn't had relations with his wife. So the, so the, the Pesach says he accepted that. Most certainly he went back to be with his wife. And from that was born Shays, which the world comes from. So it, it wasn't considered something proper what he did, this, this chuva of 130 years. So here the matter is saying, do chuva, he says no. That he does chuva and he does it wrong. So what, what did Adam get wrong? Okay, so that's, that's the challenge over here. Let's go back to this word ba'atoh. This word ba'atoh, atoh means chuva. And now means chuva. Why does and the word now mean chuva? So the Rebbeinu Yarno wrote, wrote a famous saver called Sha'arei Chuva, Sha'arei Chuva. And the Sha'arei Chuva is, Rishul Salata said, it is the handbook of how to do chuva. But besides that saver Sha'arei Chuva, which he wrote, he wrote a saver called Sod HaChuva. The secret of tshuva, or some people have the, the version of Yisod HaTshuva, the the foundation of tshuva. And in this in this booklet that he wrote, it's, it's four pages long. He says the following: He says, "Man, I understand you're going to have a problem doing tshuva because you're going to say, like, I should do tshuva. I should come back to Hashem. I've done horrible things. Imagine somebody, somebody killed somebody." See, he thinks about the implications of what he's done. He can't let go of that. It's painful. It's painful to that degree. Look what I've done. I've impacted that individual, all of the people who are connected to him, generations to come. You can't let go. So if a person understands what sin is, he says, I can't let go. I'm stuck. He says, that's the Yetzirah. That's the Yetzirah that says that. What you need to do is imagine today, you're born today, that you're brand new, you have no mitzvahs, you have no avarice. You're brand new. And that's how you do tshuva. That's the secret of tshuva, he says. So here's that word, bato. And now. Tshuva is now. Forget about yesterday. Forget about yesterday. You blew it yesterday, you know what? You'll deal with that at some point in your life, but not right now. The Rebbe Yonah in a different place deals with, we know that two primary elements of tshuva are, number one, a person has to regret what he's done. Number two, a person has to correct himself. So what's the order? Which one should you focus on first? Which one should you focus on second? So he says a person who is, in general, doing the right thing should focus on the regrets. A person who is getting it wrong all the time, don't regret anything. Just stop. You'll get back to the regret some point later in your life. I once heard in the name of Ruben Feinstein, Shlita, that Ruben said like this. He said, you can't really understand what it means until you stop it. Obviously, you're changing because you have some element of regret. But you can't really understand what the problem is until you stop. Imagine, he says, imagine this person, individual, he's a, he works in a tannery. person works in a tannery, smells horrible. Odious smells, comes home, you know, whatever he does, he's not going to get rid of it. We had, I remember I, grew, I learned in Tel Zeshiva, there was, Tel Zeshiva is on this beautiful campus, wooded areas, etc. So one day, of course, uh, one young man ran over a skunk with his bicycle. So uh, whatever they did to him, it just doesn't come off. The smell didn't come off. He got about two, about two or three rows of the, the base matters for himself. Nobody wanted, nobody wanted to be near him. So this guy walks in, he's from the tannery, he walks in and he says, oh, here he is again, you know? Give him space. So finally he says, you know what, what do I need this for? i got to get a better job in life. So he leaves the tannery, goes somewhere else, somewhere else. Years later, eventually he ends up working in a perfumery. Okay? 
very delicate smells, beautiful smells, comes home, smelling gorgeous, you know, right? One day he walks by the tannery. Hasn't been there there in years. He walks by the tannery and this stench, this horrible smell comes out of the... And he's, and he's so used to delicate smells. He just... It's, it's painful to smell it. And he remembers that he used to work there. He faints. He didn't understand how bad it smelled until he left it. You can't really understand how bad what you've done until you leave it. You move away from it. You correct yourself. Then you can look back and say, you know what, I used to do that, really? What was I thinking? But you can't really understand how bad it is, he says, until you move away. So the first step is stop. So how do you stop? So if anyone says you stop, very simple, by saying, don't let yesterday define me. Yesterday was yesterday. Today's today. I think this is a fascinating thought. You know, if we think about Rosh Hashanah, I know it's not Rosh Hashanah yet. Um, but I, I, I want to use it to bring out this thought. Well, I'm going to go from here to Shabbos, and I'll go back from that there to the, to the woman. Um, the, the, the time of the year which is most propitious to, to do tshuva is Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because the reality is, you are, you are Vatah, you are now. now. Hashem gives out life in your, par- your, in your par- parcels of a year. So Hashem gave out life at the beginning of Tavshin Ches. It ends on the 29th of Elul. Tavshin Ches. Al of Tishrei is a new life. We look the same. Everything seems to be the same, but reality is our life has, that we were given ends at the end of the year, and now there's a new life. So you are brand new. So the fact that you were, yesterday did something wrong doesn't mean you have to continue to do it because actually this time of the year you are actually not a continuation of the rest of the year. You actually are brand new. So Be'atah, do tshuva applies to Rosh Hashanah most, most properly. Taking that thought, there's a fascinating idea that Gedalia Shore says is a safer that we have him on the Yom Tovim. He quotes a Marah. The morale says like this. The morale says, we find that Tarek connects the three Yomim Toivim, Pesach, Shuas, and Sukkot, connects them to the agricultural festivals. We have the, the spring festival, we have the harvest festival, we have the ingathering festival. And it seems to be that, like, you know, like, really? That's what Pesach is? Pesach is the, is the spring festival, right? And this is the harvest festival, this is the ingathering festival, that's all it is? She says, you know what? There's a Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos is like this. Imagine that there's two types of giving, giving a gift. You can give a gift to a person who's poor, and the Torah says when you do that, you try to do it anonymously. The person should not be embarrassing. But there's also a gift you give as part of a friendship. When you give a gift for friendship, you want the person to know that you gave it. This way you, that will increase the connection. The purpose of the gift is the friendship. So if I give you a watch... And the watch is a really very expensive, valuable watch, and it has all these different things in it. And I don't tell you that. You don't know how valuable that gift was. So our friendship has not been enhanced as much as it could be. If I leave in a little note that says that this watch has, can do this, and can do that, and it's very rare, you say, oh, wow, you gave me this beautiful gift over here. I appreciate it so much. It increases the friendship. So the more it says like this. If I give you a present, I have to inform you. So let's have the Morris says, let's have a situation, you know, I see some children playing outside, and I see that they haven't eaten, eaten lunch, and I call them and say, you know, Kindle, come and say, I'll give you lunch. Now, children don't always remember to tell their mother that they got lunch, right? 
So they go back home, you know, say, you know, whatever. So but I, I did, I did them, their parents a favor. I gave their, child, their children lunch. They, parents should know that I was nice enough to give the child some more. says, you should take some of the food that you, and smear it on their face. The kid goes home and says, Yankala, why do you have jelly in your face? So, oh, Rangel gave me peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Oh, okay, so now I know. So I, I should have make sure that you find out that I gave your children lunch because I need to let you, I, I did you a favor. I need to inform you. So Hashem has a favor that there's a time of the year which is a time of hiskachus. How am I supposed to know that? So you know what Hashem says? I'll create a physical reality to let you know. You know what? This is a time there's a physical, re, the, the, the world is renewing itself. So you're supposed to understand that, that means we are also renewing ourselves. There's a time of, of ingathering. Spiritually, how do you know that there's a spiritual ingathering time? You're supposed to take all of your thoughts and all of the things you've developed and bring it back into your being. Well, the Bresha says, I'm going to make a physical reality to inform you, to let you know that there's a present out there for you called the power to gather in and absorb. So that's why we have these physical things. Not because their goal, that's their goal. That is the vehicle to let us know. That's the, that's the jelly on the face that Hashem is sending us to let us know that this is a time when you can reap. This is a time when you can in, gather in. This is a time when you can renew. Hashem recreates the world every single day. Do you ever see that? In your reality? I think we do. Now, I'll tell you, tell you there's, there's a, there's, there's, Mr. Rukhama Shane has a book, All for the Boss. I imagine most of you have read it. So she has over there, part of the conversation she has between her and her husband that they made up, they're never going to go to sleep angry. She has a story one time, one, one time they got into a disagreement, and, you know, she really wanted to go to sleep. So she says, Moshe, you know, can we make up? I want to go to sleep. He says, okay, let's make up. They make up and they go to sleep. Is that great? Most of us don't work like that, though. You know, you have this disagreement. And, you know, let's make up. He says, but yeah, but. And that's an hour later, or two hours later, you're both exhausted. And the, longer, the more exhausted you are, you know what happens? The longer you get stuck. I have a better idea. Go to sleep. You wake up in the morning, and you feel refreshed and renewed. You realize, you know what? It doesn't bother me so much anymore. What is that? That's You're not a hemshech of yesterday. You're not a continuation of yesterday. You're brand new. Yesterday I was very upset about this. Today I'm not. What happened? Hashem allowed us to be a brand new being. Yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. I don't have to be defined by yesterday. We see it in our own lives. That actually I think is the power of sleep. There's another matter, also in Parshat Bereshit, who talks about why Hashem created sleep. Why did Hashem create sleep in the world? Can you imagine how much more time we would have in our lives if we didn't need sleep? Hashem could have made us without the need for sleep. That we'd be able to just like roll and go and go and go. Right? Why do we need sleep? So the matter says the following. Right, how many would vote to abolish sleep? No hands. Okay, well, I would. Right, it'd be great. You know, you wouldn't have to sleep. You'd get so much more done in your life. Or you could procrastinate more if you want. However, you want to, whatever, you're good, whatever you prefer. So why does Hashem create sleep? So the matter says that Adam was so holy and so extraordinary. When Hashem created him, the Malachim saw Adam and they looked at Adam and they said, He's God. And they were ready to say Kedusha to Adam. Kedush, Kedush. The matter says they were ready to go and say Kedusha, which we say, the Malachim say to Hashem. And they were ready, the Malachim were ready to say it to Adam. That's how Kedush Adam was. 
Mercer says, not good. This is not very good that people should think. The Malachim should think that this is, this is God. So Hashem made Adam sleep. Well, if he sleeps, obviously he's not God. So I once heard from Talmud Chochem, he said, you know what? That's really what sleep is for. You know, we think the world stands on our shoulders of so much we have to accomplish, and we don't, if we don't take care of it, that's not going to happen. What's going to be? We exhausted, we go to bed, we wake up in the morning, you know what? The world is still here. It means we're not God. But if, we, if the world wouldn't, if we would never sleep, we would think we're God. That's why we have to sleep. Shabbos is sleep. It's a wakeful sleep. Shabbos is 26 hours a day, 26 hours a week, where you step off the world. You're not controlling, you're not doing, you're not... Da, 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 da. You just step away. And you know what? You come back after Shabbos, and the world is still here. You know what? You're not God. That's a good thing to remember. We're not God. Sleep is that moment in which we let go of our reality. That which we think we're in control, that which we think we hate to find ourselves, and we let go, we wake up in the next morning, and we're different. We are different. The same way that's true in a physical sense, in an emotional sense, is true in a spiritual sense. And that's the power of tshuva, is v'atzor, now. So I don't have to do anything special. Just embrace that reality of v'atzor and now. Just embrace the reality. I'm not defined by yesterday. By definition, you are changing yourself. You are recreating yourself. You are redefining yourself. You are changing. You are not the same person you were yesterday. The Ramam says that one of the ways a person does shuva is by saying, I'm a different person. You na- change your name, he says. Yaakov did Davera. I'm Vero. Now what does he mean? He means I changed my name? He means, I, I, I look at myself, that, that that person who did this thing yesterday doesn't have to be me. That was the person from yesterday. Today is today. I'm a different person today. I'm not defined by yesterday. What about Shabbos? So there is a fascinating Orachim HaKadosh by Shabbos. The Orachim HaKadosh says that we think the Russian gave out parcels in a year, of, 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 of the world in a year, yearly packages. He says that's not true. They came out in seven days. The Russian gives seven days of existence to the world. When it comes Shabbos, if somebody is, if somebody is Shomer Shabbos, somewhere in the world, one person, the Russian gives another seven days of existence. That's Shabbos plus six more. And if not, the world ends. This is what the Archim Mekhodesh says. Hashem did a chesed that from the time of creation until this day, there's always been somebody who's kept Shabbos, every single Shabbos. Adam kept Shabbos and his children kept Shabbos. There's always been somebody, otherwise the world would not exist, the Archim Mekhodesh says. Which means every Shabbos is like Erev Shabbos. The world ends. And it starts over again on Shabbos. So every Shabbos is the greatest that we have. It's brand new. Because the world just ended. And it's being recreated and redone every Shabbos. So when you step off this world for that wakeful sleep, and you go back into it, what you're doing is letting go of the whole week beforehand. So, the, so Rashi quotes the Mechilto. You should look at it as if all your work is done. He says, is that possible that all your work is done? You have to perceive it like that. Well, the answer really is all your work is done. Because the world ended. There's no more work to do. The world ended. What are you doing anymore? There's a new world coming. Okay, but that's no work. That's no work. But last week's work is done. You're finished. You have nothing more to do. 
Shabbos. So Shabbos is tshuva, because Shabbos is that moment of letting go of what was before, and do not define yourself by what was before. There's a mitzvah of Arnik Shabbos. Arnik Shabbos is revel in that reality. Revel in being present. Revel in being here. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just v'atzor. Now, the morale says that davening really is Shabbos. Davening, we stand with our feet together, we have nowhere to go. Because Shabbos, you don't go anywhere. You don't have anything to do. We hold our hands together because you have nothing to do. So Shabbos really is a moment, is really a moment of Shabbos. It says, points out, what is the biggest impediment to our having kabon in our tefillah? It says, either zikronos ha'avar or dagos Right? Either, you, either you're worried about tomorrow or you're, you're, you're thinking about yesterday or an hour ago or an hour, an hour from now or a minute from now or a minute ago the, the challenge of tefillah is to be present in the tefillah just be present in it right now don't worry about what's going to be future don't worry about the past just focus in this be present you're standing in front of your creator just be present with that reality Shabbos is a, is a day where you step off of the world. Be present with that reality. Forget about, I should have, there's no I should have. I wish I will. No, not either. Enjoy being here. There's a bit of Shabbos, which says we are supposed to train ourselves to enjoy being here. Kashmir comes to autumn. He says, do chupa. Now, I can't speak for autumn because I'm not autumn. But I can, I can suggest, or I can project myself onto autumn for a moment, if you will let me. If I was autumn, and I just ate from the Eitzadas, what would my emotion be? What would your emotion be? You just ate from the Eitzadas. And God just came to you and said, My friend, you're going to die. You, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, all the generations to come. My friend, the result says, if you would have controlled yourself until Shabbos, you would have been allowed to eat from the You had to control yourself for four hours. My friend, if you would have done that, Mashiach would have come, and the world would have come to its final resolution. And you blew it. Depression, guilt. But what, what emotion would we have? We'd be overwhelmed by frustration, depression, guilt, remorse. Right? So we say, you know, there's going to be in the, in the, in the future of mankind, there's going to be billions of people. There's seven and a half billion people in the world right now. Every one of them is going to die because he ate from the Tzadahs. Add up all of the years of the world. Billions and billions of people have died because he ate from the Tzadahs. It's got to be depressing. Kashmir come to Adam and says, We are taught. Forget it. That was yesterday. That was an hour ago. Stop it. Let go. Today, from this, you, this is the first moment of the rest of your life. You can forget about yesterday from the moment before and redo yourself. He says, I can't. I can't let go. I'm a person, not only a person who ate, I've become an eater. I've changed myself. I've lowered myself. I've affected myself. I've damaged myself. I've hurt myself. I'm stuck. And Hashem says, no, 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 no. Stop it. Stop being stuck. The matter says he was stuck for 130 years. He couldn't let go of this. 
And the Lamech says, correct yourself. It's wrong what you're doing. He says, you're right. It's wrong what I'm doing. I have to change. But he's like, 130 years, it took him to, to, find, to finally somebody mustered him out in such a way. He says, okay, I got it. You're right. I got to change. What happened? He went back to his wife, and we have the world. Chase was born then. Imagine if it, we never got that Muslim shmuz. What would have happened? There'd be no world. The world comes from Chase. There's no, there'd, be no, there'd be no Chase. Kayan is gone. Hevel is gone. So what's left? Nothing. He's stuck. We're like that. We get stuck. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in all the things we did wrong. We get stuck in all the things I wish I had done. I wish I had been a better mother. I wish I had been a better father. I wish I had not yelled at my child. I wish I had given my child more time. I wish, I, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. We get stuck in the past. The Russian comes out of him and says, you can stay in Ganadin. You can, you, you, you sinned, you can stay in Ganadin. You're going to die, you can stay in Ganadin. Just let go. And you can stay in Ganadin. He says, I can't. And this, I think, in many ways, is a challenge which we all live with. This idea of defining ourselves by the past. Every Shabbos, I think, is this opportunity to stop and learn not to define ourselves by the past. The the, the process of reveling in the present. The Vatah and the, the, the reveling in the present. That's the purpose of Shabbos. So I think that's the lesson of Shabbos. Okay, so my topic tonight is not the lesson of Shabbos. My topic tonight is the, the, embracing the woman's role in, I think, the official title in, in, in Judaism. So I want to tell you something. First of all, the first time when I look at that title, I remember one time I spoke for Shuas, on Shuas for the women or, um, in Silver Spring. And the question was you know, people wanted to know what is the woman's role and what woman's connection to Shuas? I gave him this, this incredulous look. I said, well, what's the woman's connection to Shuas? He said, Shuas is about learning. I said, no, it's not. Shuas is not about, not about learning. So I said, I gave him the following marshal. Okay, I, I am old enough to remember the days when long-distance phone calls were expensive. <laughs> I am old enough to remember the days that before cell phones. I'm old enough to go into the Smithsonian Museum of American History and see the typewriter that I used when I was in high school, and that's called history. And I said, like, oh my, I'm old. Okay. That was pretty depressing. Um, Like, I'm history. I'm ancient. And imagine before the world of of the telephone, if you can imagine that, this ubiquitous thing, and how do Hassanim and Kalas communicate? Through letters. Right? Hassan would write a Kala letter, she would write a Kala back, a letter back. And I always, I, I actually, I always push my Hassanim that he should write letters to the Kalas even nowadays. Even with everything that's available, you've got to write letters to him. It says, why? So I said, when a, when a when person receives a letter from someone who's very dear to them, how many times do they read it? Once? Twice? Ten times? Maybe, right? They put it away in a box, right? You don't throw it out. 
And I told the Chassan one time, I said, you, know, you come home like about two or three weeks before Pesach and you see your wife sitting on the bed with this dreamy look on her face. What happened? She found the box with the letters from you were Chassan and Kala. And she's reading them. Warning. Label, uh, don't let your children find those letters. Because they're going to see how mushy daddy was, right? Right? You don't read it once, you don't read it twice. It's a letter from your Chassan. Let's say you don't understand what the letter said. You have no way to communicate. What are you going to do? You're very upset. You're going to try and figure it out. You're going to read it again. You're going to read before, context, read afterwards. You're going to ask somebody for help. I need to know what it says. That's what it means to learn Torah. Kodesh Baruch sent Kleiser a letter. And that letter is from a Kodesh Baruch The reason why we, we learn Torah is not because I just need to figure it out. I want to read the letter. And I want to read it once. I want to read it twice. The Vilna Goin had a group of people that used to live with the Vilna Goin. And the, obviously the Kalman with the Vilna Goin, you had to be a person of caliber because otherwise it's a waste of your time. You, you didn't follow them. You know, I'm not going to go, I, I know like physics 101 and have, listen, listen to a lecture from Einstein. Obviously you have to be a very, very learned person who's going to want to join the Vilna Goin's group. But he had, he had a test. If you want to join the group, you had to learn Torah Lishma. What does Torah Lishma mean? Because you want to just enjoy reading Torah. Because. Why? Because. So what was the test? The test is very simple. That he, he would give the person the first Pasuk of Dibre Yomim to read. So I'll come back in a, a, a little while later. Just keep reading it. First Pasuk of Dibre Yomim. Anybody knows? Three words. Auto, Shase, Enrich. That's, that's the whole Pasuk. Okay? So you open up. Adam, Shase, Enrich. Okay, that's three seconds. I mean, okay, that's 10 seconds. He'll come back after an hour. How many times can you read that Pasuk? In an hour. So if, if, if you enjoy reading the letter, you can read it a million for 10 hours. If, you, if your goal is intellectual pursuit, you're going to go out of your mind. The Kershberg gave Claudius this beautiful letter that's how we learn on Shuas. But what's that letter say? Kosh Baruch Hu loves us. He chose us. He gave us mitzvahs. That, also, that doesn't apply to the women. We're all chosen. Mitzvahs apply to all of us. We're all part of this special nation. It's, it's the letter which represents the Kosh Baruch Hu's love to Klai Yisrael. What does it mean? It doesn't apply to the women. I, said, I, I, don't, I don't get the question. Shuas is the day that you celebrate that reality. Yes, so the men celebrate it by, by reading the letter. The women can celebrate it a different way, but you're celebrating, the goal here is to celebrate that moment that Klai Yisrael has been chosen to be Hashem's beloved. That's Shuas. So I say, what's the women's role? I mean, the same thing as the men's role, right? We are part of a Kodesh chosen nation. Appreciate that. Revel in that. But I think specific, more specifically, and this is my suggestion, and that you can take it or leave it, is I think that the women have a power of now. The women have a power of now some ways more than the men. And this is based on a morale, but the, the, the idea that the men avoid the Izbadafka, the Mitzvah say, which means go out and do. It's more about the planning and the doing and the accomplishing and the da da da. And the woman's role is to hold on to what you have. I mean, the, the, the gains, the advantages, not, not the bad things. That's why the morale says women have the Mitzvah of the concept of the, the Shemira. And why does the Kala walk around the Chassan seven times? 
So I, I once spoke, I was speaking by a wedding of a uh, both, 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 both the Chos and the Kalim Rebali Shuba, a lot of people there which were not from. And of course, the question was, like, you know, it's demeaning for the Kal to walk around the, the, the man seven times. The perception being that the man is the, the primary and the woman is secondary. She goes around him seven times. I said, you know, if you look at the source, that's not what it says. It says that the, the woman is, creates the wall of protection of a home, not the man. And she has the ability to do, to do it seven times, means it takes you from this world up to the high, highest heaven, the seven heavens. She is the one who takes the family up. By that reality that she creates of the protection, the chayma around her mishpacha, she can lift up all of us to the highest levels. That's what it represents. This actually, this is an interesting wedding. It was in England, in Manchester. I never had a wedding before where they made a toast to the queen during the meal. So this was, you know, the middle of those other person goes, oh, he's making a toast to the queen. I said, really? Oh, oh. You know, so, but, but that was like, all these, you know, so I'm speaking in my American English to all these, you know, British people. I'm, I'm, we think British accent is cool. They think the American accent is horrible. Anyway, it's like, I'm trying to explain to them, you know, this is what a marriage is. I hope the message got across. One person came up to me and said, you know, Rabbi, I really appreciated your explanation. Give me a whole other understanding. This is the morale system. The woman is that kayak of Shmira. But the kayak of Shmira is what raises us up. The kayak of holding on. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I don't have to build tomorrow. That's not my job. My job is to make sure that what I have right now is protected from the influence from the outside. The shmira. The value of being present in the home. That strength is something which belongs to the women. It's not happenstance that the women, women make Shabbos, for the most part. Well, there's some men who cook also, but the women make that oinig. The women are the ones who are creating that reveling in Shabbos. The sad part what happens is it's such a pressure the time Shabbos come, the women, the women are, are worn out. And they're in, the, the, everybody else is reveling in Shabbos. The woman's saying, oh, I'm so tired, I want to go to bed. Or, you know, the kids are getting a little bit, whatever, and the woman's, you know, not up to emotionally dealing with the children's exuberance, boisterousness, because she's exhausted. Right? And that's a sad thing. When we, and, and I think that's important that a person should find a way to not let that happen. And if that's not always so easy. I, 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 I'm going to give you an angle from a, a man's approach, because I think I'm a man, what can I do? I was once listening to a, 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 a shear from Rabbi Zil Tauber, Shlita, from Muncie, and he's talking about Shalom Bayes. And he's talking about pra- simple practical things you can do. And he's had the following thing. He, worked in, he works in Manhattan. He lives in Muncie. So he means he gets up in the morning, he by this, by this early minion. He drives into the traffic going into Manhattan. So he fights with all those crazy people from you know, driving into Manhattan for an hour and a half every single morning. He gets to his office and he works straight for eight, for eight ten hours. Then he drives home with all those crazy people driving home from Manhattan. So the time he gets home, he's, he's a schmatz. Now, what does his wife want from him when he walks in the door? She spent the whole day with the kids and said she wants the husband to come in and be helpful and smile and supportive. And he's like, ah, right? So it's not a very good, not a good recipe for Shalom Bayes. She said, you know, let's analyze this. I'm exhausted and I'm starving. 
He haven't eaten anything during the day. So he said, you know what, I have a good idea. He put in his car a big piece of cake. I'm not endorsing cake, whatever. Okay, right? You know, for all those people which are in the health mode, whatever. A big apple, okay, right? <laughs> Pun intended, okay, right? So, and a, a cup of, uh, a thermos of coffee. Before he got home, he pulled off to the side of the road. He ate the cake. He drank the coffee. He said, you know what, I have it. I, I'm not exhausted anymore. He shut his eyes for five minutes. He got home five minutes later, but he was wide awake. He refreshed himself. He walked in and he was able to smile at his wife, help his wife, be there for his wife, and it was great. He said, what did it take him? It took a little thought. What can I do? I, 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 excuse me, I, I have to go like, My wife and I go through this every week. Every shop is very busy. I end up never eating lunch. My wife doesn't eat lunch either. There's so many things to do. And by the time you come to the sooner, you're exhausted. You're, you're, you're starving and you're exhausted. So we, we he keeps telling us like, stop and eat lunch. Of course, I tell my wife, and she tells me, and we, you know, yeah, yeah, in a minute, right? But imagine you did, and some, some some weeks we're good at it. So we actually stop and we eat something. It takes three minutes, five minutes, but you're not starving anymore. You walk in the Shabbos, not starving. So actually, there's a halacha. You're not supposed to walk in the Shabbos starving. There is a, is a halacha that a person can handle it. Actually, there's a mitzvah to fast in every Shabbos to enjoy the Shabbos food. But if that doesn't work for you, you shouldn't walk in the Shabbos starving. Every, every part of Shabbos is Shabbos. So the beginning of Shabbos, you haven't eaten yet. Like, oh, there's someone growling? So you're exhausted. Can you get, a, a, you know, we try and trade off. Give me, give me five minutes. Wake me in five minutes. Just don't go on. Just give me five minutes to shut my... You know, like, like giving in to that, you know, just, I'm I just need to give in to that feeling. I need to shut my eyes. I'm, five minutes is enough. Power nap. But it changes how you walk in the Shabbos. If that doesn't work for you, something else works for you. You know, the person says, you know what, I'll get some more things done before. But it, it, Shabbos is, is, is all about being present. And this is, a, this is a special power that the women have. And the Yetzirah comes along and Badafka makes it that the women can't exercise that strength that they have. And that's not fair. That's the Yetzirah making you not understand the strength of the now. Not understand the strength that you have to create that now for yourself and your, for your family. And then we all lose. Yourselves and your family loses from that. So that's the message that I want to give. That the women have the ability to teach themselves and their children, you know what? You're, forget about yesterday. Don't focus on yesterday. I, I, I'll say it in different words. Like, Rabbi writes one place, he writes that, that you know, the challenge of being a bachur in yeshiva. There's a problem called kina, which is jealousy. But, but the Pesach initially says, Reka Batsamas Kina, the withering of bones is Kina. The word Atsamas bones also means Atsamis, means the withering of the, your sense of yourself, your self essence. says, What does that mean? says, You sit in Yeshiva, and there's one guy who's smarter than you, one guy who's quicker than you, one guy is a bigger tzaddik than you, one guy is a better daughter than you, and you see him learning, he remembers better, and he learns more quickly, and he asks quick, better questions. And you sit and you wear your, and eventually, you, what am I? I'm not as quick, and I'm not as smart, and I'm not, you know, all the, you, your, your essence wears out. So Shem created a, a, Bershom created a solution, a formula which corrects that. It's called the Jewish mother. You come up at the end of the day, oh, my yankel is God's gift to mankind. Like, that's the Jewish mother's role. 
my Yaakov is so special. What do you mean, Yaakov? You're so special. You're so wonderful. I love you. There's nobody like you. That's the power of the Jewish mother. What's the problem? The guy lives in the dorm. He doesn't have his Jewish mother with him. And that's the problem of yeshiva. This is, this is what my ha'or is. This is the strength which was given us. To, you know what? Ma, I did this. You know what? Yaakov, don't worry about it. That was yesterday. Tomorrow's better. We say it to everybody else, but to ourselves. We live, Jewish mothers live with guilt. Right? To my sons and my daughters, yeah, don't worry about it. That was yesterday. You could be better. But we, I wish I had. I wish I did. Why didn't I do it? I wish I had. Right? It's yet to her, Badafka, because that's the strength of a woman. Badafka, to me, not like that. Hurrah, you can do it with your kids. Do it to yourself. Okay, that's a thought that I wanted to share with you. Hopefully, it's helpful. And uh, I just open up the, uh, if anybody has anything they want to ask. Or it was like so clear and so perfect and so wonderful. I feel so, uh, everybody, (laughs) yes. You don't have to ask a question just because I, I don't, I, I, I am, I have a friend who's a therapist and he's very good at just standing there quietly. Waiting for somebody to say something. Yes? Uh, the realm of any practical ideas of how to work on staying in the now, it seems like it involves a lot of movement to be able to let go of whatever happened in the past and the future. So I would, I, I would love to tell you that I'm good at it, and if I could give you all the things which work, um, but I'm not. Um, I, I do it to myself sometimes also. I've been working on it for a lot of years, trying to work, focus on the present. Um, my rabbi one time told me a story about one of the, when, in the old days, at the beginning of the Hasidim, the, when, the, when the Rebbe would pass away, it didn't pass through this idea of hereditary to the next to his child. They would pick the most worthy person. So one of the, one of the Rebbe's was about to die. And he says, Rebbe, how do we know who's supposed to be your successor? He says, here's the question I want you to ask. And ask a few people and see what they say. How do you deal with guy was the question. And the person says, I don't know, because I have the same problem. That's the person you want for your Rebbe. That's what the Rebbe said. Okay, anyway, um, that didn't answer your question. Uh, I, I think it's, I, I think my, my, my suggestion is to pick a moment in the day. Preferably davening, because that's what davening is. The little bit that you do say for davening, just see if you can focus on being just being present and enjoying that. So it's a training thought process. I'm with the Kodesh Baruch right now. I'm talking to him. Not what I have to do in a minute from now. Not what I wish I, had done. I hadn't, didn't take care of a minute before. And I, I know the baby's crying. And I know that. You know, and I, I, I'm aware of that. But right now, for these 30 seconds, I'm just going to focus on this. I would suggest the following. I, had a, I, have, a, I have a young man that I'm working with who um, very difficult of bringing a child of abusive situation, etc. And he's very self-focused on all of his problems and all of his deficiencies, etc. So one issue which he has is he has a family which is very nice to him and they let him in, 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 into their home a lot, but once in a while the wife just can't handle it. So he feels very hurt every time she says not to come. But I asked him, you know, when you are there, do you enjoy it? He says, yes, very much so. So he said, just stop for a moment and enjoy that. The more the things don't work out, the more it gives appreciation of the times when the things do work out. 
use the negative to enhance the positive. You know what? Yesterday she said I couldn't come. That means it's not easy for her to make me let me come. And now she's letting me come. That's so nice of her. That's so sweet of her. That's so special of her to allow me into her privacy. And therefore, it enhance, all, every negative can be used to enhance the positive. You know what? Yesterday I didn't get it. Today I got it a little bit better. Wow. That, it, it's not so easy to get it right. Horaya, I didn't do it right for the last 50 years. This time I'm doing a little bit better. That's really special what I just did. I did it better than every other time. And I know it's not easy because I have not been doing it right until now. So every negative can be used to enhance a positive. So instead of just focusing on the negative, turn the negative into a positive. I know it's hard because I have not got it right. And this time I got it a little bit better. So you know what? That's tremendous what I just did. Pat myself on the back for three seconds. I don't know. Does it help a little bit? It's worth a try. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Ladies, thank you. Thank you for joining. Have a good night.